Our scripture reading this morning is very short. John chapter 17, verse 17. This is the word of the Lord. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As we've been exploring the the world of sanctification, we've come to learn that the process of sanctification is also a gift from God himself. It is a spirit that sanctifies you and me. The same spirit that brought you the gift of justification by faith. The same spirit that allowed you to say for the very first time, Jesus is my Lord and Savior by faith. It's the same spirit that lives in you and sanctifies you. And that same spirit that sanctifies you will one day bring you before the Lord in glory. We know that in this life and in this life alone, that our hearts will never be pure before the Lord. But purity is not what we are seeking as Christians. We are seeking dependence upon the grace of our Lord Jesus, ever going before his throne room, asking for forgiveness. And as God does so, he grants us, draws us near to him, that we may worship him and serve him. We are not here to live a life of perfection. We are here to live a life of dependence upon God and God himself. We've also learned that the goal of sanctification really is simply to draw near to Jesus and himself, to grow in our relationship with him. That the law that we have, that God has given to us, the law is not there simply to try to prove to ourselves or even prove to God that we are believers. But the law is given to us that we may see the character of God and seek to please God and seek to be like God. God is just. God is merciful. God is loving. We don't seek to be just to say to God, God, see, I'm just, love me more. But we seek to be just, merciful, and loving because we want to be like the God who has saved us unconditionally. We grow closer to God. It's what we hope for. We do not use the law to beat ourselves over the head or beat anyone else over the head. But the law is there to grow, draw us closer to the forgiveness and the mercy of God. Neither do we look at the law and say, well, I can't live like this. It's too hard. Yes, it is. But we don't simply say, you know what? I won't be perfect in this world. So I'm just going to just live as best as I can, whatever that may mean. Because surely God will forgive me all the time. But once we do that and simply live the life that our flesh continually wants to live, what happens to us is we don't naturally come to the Lord anymore. Instead, we just say, God, forgive me, and we walk away and do our own thing. Either way, the goal of sanctification, the goal of our growth in the Lord is to know Jesus and to be known by him. To say that he is our Savior, to say that with our whole 
mind and body and soul. And last week, we, we learned that in sanctification, that it's not simply our reason and our will or our moral being that changes, but God changes our emotions as well. That our emotions are an important part of growing in the Lord. Most of us here who have grown up in the Asian American community or in, in a community where perhaps your, your, your parents are a little bit more stoic than others, that growth isn't about exploring your emotions, but it's about sort of putting them to the side and not being controlled by your emotions. And there's truth in that. But there's a reason in the Psalms that God tells us to rejoice in him. There's reasons why Jesus himself wept at the death of his friend, Lazarus. There's a reason why Jesus himself wept uncontrollably when given the task to go and give over, give his life at the cross. That we as God's people, we're not here simply to go from step A to step B to step C to step D in our Christian life. But we are, are supposed to allow our emotions to follow the truths of the Bible. So when there's something to rejoice about, we don't simply say, oh, I rejoice. Move on. Next thing I need to work on. But when there's cause to rejoice, like Jesus, like the psalmist, take some time and let your heart rejoice. Let it Rejoice. And then when there's time that you have to lament, let your heart lament. Our emotions must be in tune with the truths of the gospel. We are not Stoics here, brothers and sisters. Emotion, not being emotional is not our goal. Our goal is to rejoice in the things God rejoices in. To hate the things that God hates. To lament over the broken things, the sinful things of this world. This is sort of where we've come to so far in, our, in what we call sanctification and what we call growing as individuals and as a church. We desire this church to be like that. And the litmus test is very simple. Do we love Jesus more? Do we see each other's failings as an opportunity to bring people closer to Jesus? When God does good things, do we rejoice together? When there's hardship, do we lament together? When the outside world comes into this church, do they see Christ and Christ being magnified? May the Lord bless us as we continue on this journey. I love children. <laughs> in our passage today, we will speak very briefly, and it is going to be very brief. 
about God's primary instrument for our sanctification. Right now, all of this that we've learned sounds very good to us. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to grow in my faith. I want to become like someone that God wants me to become. But here's the question. What are the guidelines? How do I become more like Christ or more like God? How can I draw closer to him in fellowship with him? How do I know that I'm the one or God is the one who's drawing me close to him? Or is it me simply by my figment of imagination drawing up a God or a Jesus who's not the one who's revealed himself? And this is important, that we know the Jesus who has revealed himself to the world. We know ourselves as people. We are relational beings. That when we're in a relationship with someone, if that person doesn't know who we are, or if that person thinks they know who we are, there's a, a disconnect. Have you had an experience like this? We're sitting around a group of people. Someone's perhaps a good friend of yours or someone who knows you or you think knows you well. And someone asked that question, well, tell me what, you know, tell me what young is like. And you're sitting there, you're listening in, you're like, oh my goodness, please don't say anything embarrassing about me. And they start talking. And you scratch your head. And you're like, he knows nothing about me. <laughs> what type of insight is, is that? And you start scratching your head and you're wondering, what, what? we've spent all this time together and yet you, you don't know me. And the friendship starts to fray as well, right? You've probably seen this. So you look at that person and go, I think I know you because I've invested in you. But I'm starting to realize that you don't know me. That this relationship is not about you and me. This relationship is just about you. <laughs> now we can talk about that later on in terms of just human relationships, what God wants us to do in that. But oftentimes in our relationship with the Lord, we have to make sure that we know who he is. We don't want to be there that judgment day where we say, Lord, Lord, I knew you. And God says to us, I never knew you. Away from me. There's a soberness about us growing in the Lord. And God wants you to do it in such a way that you have certainty that you are known by God and that you know God. And so what has God given to us that we may know him, that we may check ourselves? He's given us his word. He has given us scripture. He has given us his Bible. Jesus here in 
in, in John 17, the priestly prayer. His prayer is not only for the disciples who are with him there, but his prayer is for all of us who will eventually follow him afterwards. This is the only prayer in Scripture where he's praying for you by name. This is his final prayer before he enters into Jerusalem, before he's, 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 he's judged and he's crucified. These are sort of his, his final, if I could say, these lucid words to his people before all chaos breaks loose. His prayer is that they would be one and love each other. And his prayer includes, included in that is that the word that he's given to us would sanctify us. And that the truth of God and his word is the only sanctifying, the only sanctifying word he has given to us as his people. So there are several things that I want to encourage you about. One, God has not left you rudderless in this world. God has not left you dark in this world. Oftentimes when we go through troubles in our lives, whether it's relational, whether it's what am I going to do in the future, whether it's, you know, what about my health? Oftentimes we will, we will get so confused in our own mind or we will go onto Google and we'll look for information about whatever it may be. God says to you, you're not rudderless. I did not leave you in the dark. But your word, my word, is a lamp unto your feet, a light unto this world. But all you must do is just sit and read his word. And as you read his word, God's will and God's light and God's grace will be revealed to you. Now, here's the issue of why it's so hard for most of us. Because when we read God's word, we, we read it more as a self-help book or a manual. We want God to answer us now. Or we read God's word seeking to, to find answers to our questions now. Now, there are times where now, now God's word is sufficient and he will reveal to us things like that. But again, if we use God's word inappropriately like that, then we're not really using God's word the way he intended to. Again, the, the analogies are always going to be relational. Here's, here's another analogy. What if your child only came to you when they wanted something from you? That's it. Mom, I need money. Mom, I need a ride. Mom, I need help with my homework. You as a parent, you're like, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. But there's no relationship being built, is there? 
When you come to God's word, just looking for answers all the time. God is gracious, believe me, and he'll he'll answer you. But you'll be grieving the Spirit. Because God doesn't simply want to give you answers to the particular problems you have today. There will always be problems. There will always be sins you're wrestling with. But the purpose of God's word is for you to know that he's given you a path to him. To read his word with joy. To say, God, show me who you are. You might have nothing to do with what you're going through today, and that's great, actually. Why? Point number two. The purpose of reading God's word is to see the character and the mind of God. That you may become smaller and God may increase. When you see that God himself, as he's revealed in scripture, is greater and grander than just us. Your heart starts to worship him in bigger and grander ways. For you see his goodness and his mercy, his justice and his love. You start to see that there's a distinction between me and God. God is God and I'm just a human being. God, you're great, worthy to be worshipped, worthy to be served, worthy to be loved. So God puts your life into perspective as you read his word and read his stories. Right now with our kids, we're, going, we're reading through Chronicles. And if you ever read Chronicles, it's just name after name after name after name after name after name after name. And I don't make my kids read all the names because it'll take way too long because not only is it a long list, but they can't pronounce all the names anyway. But as adults, as we get older and older, you know, we'll stop and we'll actually try to read some of those names. And as you start to read some of those names, you're like, how does this help? Maybe some of you are like, how does this help me now? And you start to realize, this is after the exile. They come back to Jerusalem. God's been gracious to them. And what are the Israelites doing? They're naming their lineage and all the people that God has been faithful to. And that we're back here all together. God has been faithful. And you can just sit on that. And it doesn't matter what you've been going through. It doesn't matter what God has, has given you in this life. But you can stop and say, God is good. And worship him. Remember point one. God has not left you alone. The scriptures are there to sanctify you in the truth. Point two. uh, The thing that God is trying to to do is reveal to, to you his greatness and his grandeur. That you may 
bow and worship to him. And lastly, when we go to God's word, it should be clear to you that you are a sinner saved by grace, infinitely loved by him in the midst of your failings, in the midst of your sins, that your future is secure in the Lord, that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, that any decision that you have to make in this world, that any obstacle that God has put in this world, that God himself will always be present and that God himself is doing whatever he is doing for his glory and for your good. And to walk in him with joy. You see, God's word is given to you as his people to grow you in your faith. To know the truths of the Bible so it transforms your heart. So it transforms the way you love people. This is the only instrument that God has given us. You do not need anything else. I remember talking to, you know, um, one of our brothers here, and uh, he was talking to me about um, that, you know, he's curbed listening to podcasts and is starting to listen to more hymns and, and some songs, and how that sort of changed sort of his heart. Oh, yeah. It's a great thing. To fill your mind with the things of God. I dare say this. That if you do not listen to any podcasts, if you don't read any Christian books, if you don't read any news for the next 30 days and all you do is read the Bible, I dare say you won't be missing much in this world. But you will be gaining a perspective of what God is doing. And your heart will be changed according to him. Brothers and sisters, there are many men and women in this world who know the Bible better than all of us, but they don't know God. You who know God, with the measure of faith you have, with the measure of knowledge that you have, with where you are in your walk with the Lord, you, when you go to his word and you read his word, God promises to reveal himself to you according to your faith, according to, to God's knowledge of you. Trust in him. Trust in him. And may we as CCPC, me as, we as individuals and the church, be a church that shares the word of the Lord with one another in joy. For his word is truth, and his word alone shall sanctify this body. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we long to be like you. 
We all do. But we confess, Lord, that even when we say those words, we really don't know what we mean. When we say the prayer to you, Lord, change us, we really don't know what that means. But when we say to you, Lord, change us according to your word, not according to my knowledge. Change us according to your wisdom, not according to my wisdom. Lord, when we submit ourselves to you, we know what we're getting into. You will change us. You will change our hearts to love the things that you love and to hate the things that you hate. You will help us to wrestle, Lord, with our anger, our bitterness, our stresses, our anxieties. And you will show us, Lord, that throughout the course of all of history, you have been always faithful and always present. And so, Lord, teach us to draw close to you, to say that we know Jesus. And in so doing, Lord God, in so doing, may we prove to ourselves, to others, and to this world that we belong to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.